Hi, I'm Theo DeRosa, sports editor for the Commercial Dispatch, and welcome to Bully Banter, our Mississippi State Athletics podcast. Had to take a week off last week for various reasons. Early game, some of us sick, some of us busy, but we're back this week as the regular season for Mississippi State football is now over. Bulldogs defeated Ole Miss in the Egg Bowl. They're 8-4 and four on the season. They're going to find out their bowl destination on Sunday. Got a lot of basketball going on. A lot of stuff going on as we get into late November and early December here. Colin, Alex, how are you guys doing? And uh, what's it been like covering Mississippi State last couple of weeks? I mean, it's a, it's an exciting time for basketball still. I think, um, you know, the, both the coaches seem to kind of feed off the energy of the Egg Bowl a little bit. I know Sam Purcell was really um, hyped for that win. Um, he's just, uh, I mean, an excited person in general, I would say. But, um, yeah, it, it seems like there's good vibes around the basketball team. I know uh, just you would probably know better than anyone covering the men's team. They're undefeated to start the year. Um, the women have had a couple of really close losses. But, um, I mean, other than that, uh, things are going pretty well. It, they had another almost 100-point game last night uh, behind closed doors and uh, did so with a lot of bench players uh, scoring points. I, I would say I think like 45 of the 94 points they scored came off the bench. So, yeah, uh, it seems like things are clicking in the first year under a new coach. Yeah, um, I guess for me, because I haven't been someone who's been covering uh, – any of those teams, you guys have the men's and women's team and Theo, you have football going on. Um, I will say the, uh, watching the egg bowl was fun. Um, just from my, I guess, more or less neutral perspective. Uh, so that was fun to kind of watch that and kind of see that, uh, happen. Yeah. I wasn't able to go to the game, but I did watch it, uh, at a bar in Starkville. So that was uh, interesting to kind of see, uh, how people reacted to that, uh, game compared to other games. I'm sure that this game, has extremely more merit and is way more important than any other game this season. It's kind of not close uh, in that, but uh, I will say for men's and women's basketball, I was able to go to the uh, men's game against Omaha and they, they are, I guess from what I've seen, this team plays together really, really well. I know that in that game against Utah, which was the, I think was the championship of the Fort Myers classic tip, tip off classic, whatever it was. um, They, that game in terms of like, scoring and all that stuff might have been one of the worst basketball games I've ever seen because I'm pretty sure both teams shot about 25% from the field. But somehow Mississippi State was able as a team to overcome that and still play well enough to be able to win that game. And I'm pretty sure Tolu Smith, I think, had a really, really impressive double-double. He had like 16 points and 15 rebounds or something close to that. So that was impressive to watch. And they looked really good against Omaha. I know Omaha is not that good of a program but still to be able to play consistent to be able to um you know in a game that started out really really close early on to be able to start extending that lead hitting shots from three not relying on the three as much as they did in that game against utah but being able to mix that up uh while also driving inside getting close range shots things of that nature uh they looked really really strong i know the women's team uh, i haven't seen as much of them but i know that the women's team has also looked good early on i know that those games the losses that they had were tough but overall, I think that, uh, you know, so far this season, especially for basketball, it's been good for Mississippi State on both sides. Yeah, with the men's team, I mean, they're 7-0 right now. They're going to play Mississippi Valley State on Saturday. They've been, I think, fifth highest among teams receiving votes in the AP poll. So they're not ranked yet, but they're getting up there. Just everything's going really well for them. 
I think, of course, the offense could be a lot better. But when you have a defense that's like rating inside the top 10 by most metrics, you're in pretty good shape. And they've really looked pretty good so far. The Fort Myers tip off, that was a good way to kind of racket, ratchet up the competition level. I mean, you had four subpar teams in the first four games. And then you have Marquette, who just beat Baylor by like 25 points yesterday. And you have Utah in uh, two power six, I guess, teams there. Yeah, they're looking good. Again, you know, this week's not great competition. Then you have a game at Minnesota. You get have a neutral site game against Drake. And it's going pretty well for them so far. And the women's team as well. I mean, I believe they're 6-2 and two after last night's win. T- a couple tough losses, including that Nebraska game in overtime. Yeah, I mean, as far as basketball goes, with two first-year head coaches, it's going about as well as it can right now. Yeah, Coach Purcell um, talked about you know, strength of schedule really comes into play for teams that have tournament ambitions. So when you're setting your non-conference schedule, that's one of the big indicators of you know maybe what the team's ambitions are. And he was talking about having the chance to reschedule, especially that uh, South Dakota State game. Uh, but he wanted to get that experience of going on the road, playing a true road game against a team that at the time was ranked. And, um, you know, it, it didn't go their way. And the Nebraska game also swung against them in overtime. Uh, that was a game they were chasing, similar to the South Dakota State game. And then in overtime, Jazz Shelley hit three three-pointers in a row in the span of like 60 seconds. So, um Two tough ways to lose against two teams that would have looked really good on the resume, but I would say things still looking really promising and, um, you know, potentially I think fans are hoping uh, back to normal for that team. Yeah. For the men's team, I mean, their bracketology from ESPN had them as a seven seed. Now bracketology in late November is not very helpful, but it's just kind of a good way to see how well they've been doing so far. Cause they're I think 29th in Ken Palm right now. And a seven seed is obviously a great start. They've been to the tournament only once since, 2009 and if they can kind of continue this maybe they don't end up as a seven but they still end up in the field yeah I think it is important to note especially with the women's team that those losses that they had were against teams that are going to be competing for the NCAA tournament in some capacity as the year goes on so you know there's such things as quality wins and quality losses so both of those are definitely quality losses and um you know it really really helps in a non-conference schedule when the opponent that they're playing and we saw that with mississippi state uh women's soccer as the year went on the non-conference schedule really prepared that team for what was going to happen in the sec i know the wheels slowly kind of fell off towards the end but they also started playing really really good teams so you know it's going to be a lot tougher to win those games when you're playing really really good opponents but to be able to load the schedule up early with good opponents and be able to go from there and kind of test yourselves, test the waters to see how good you are against the teams that are going to be, um, you know, like the teams that you would want to play come March. Uh, that's extremely important. So, um, you know, those those early season, the, the preseason Thanksgiving tournaments that everyone goes crazy about. Uh, those are really important for, you know, schedule building and strength of schedule stuff, that sort of thing uh, moving forward. Speaking of that, I mentioned, you know, Valley this week, but then Minnesota and Drake coming up for the men's team. I know Mississippi State women's basketball hosts Grambling State on Sunday. Colin, are there any other big non-conference games for the women or is this kind of it? Yeah, so their next three games are all at home and combined those three opponents have three wins right now. So, um, you know, ex- expecting those to be a good opportunity for Purcell to rotate players in kind of like he did yesterday. Um, Alicia Hayes came into the game, played pretty much the entire fourth quarter, hit 
two or back-to-back three-pointers. Charlotte Cole got really good minutes. Um, and, you know, you, you want those players to be ready. You want those players to, you know, show you maybe what they can offer in the future when it comes their time to step up. Um, but you also want to keep your starters healthy. Um, Alana Smith had to exit the game. She fell on her hand weird. Um, x-rays were negative. Purcell said after the game, so nothing major. Um, and then Romani Parker was rested as well. So it was a good opportunity to kind of, um, I don't want to say they took it casually because they definitely came out and they wanted to win that game and they scored a lot of points, but playing behind closed doors without fans only two days rest after coming back from Puerto Rico, it was a good opportunity to kind of recharge, get some yeah. other players minutes. Um, and I, I would expect these next games to sort of be the same. Uh, they do go to Tampa for another uh, sort of non-conference shindig, whatever these things are called. Um, they will play against, uh, I may need to look this up, actually. Uh, so they play Old Dominion, and then they play someone else who is, their record was 3-3. Three and three. So decent teams, but teams that they should beat. Um, and those will be their last games before they go into SEC play, where, of course, I mean, as we know, women's basketball in the SEC is no cakewalk. So it, it was good that they got those really tough non-conference challenges in early because when it comes to, you know, having to travel to play teams like Tennessee, hosting South Carolina at some point. All these other programs are really good. Um, yeah, they they definitely needed the practice to get things together because this isn't just Sam Purcell's first year. This is the first year for, I think, six players in the rotation were not on the team last year. So, Yeah, what was that atmosphere like playing, you know, behind closed doors, no fans because of the storms coming in and just kind of it being you guys up in the second level and everybody on the court? Yeah, I mean, it was weird. Uh, I I mean, I wasn't working as a reporter during COVID, but for the players, it, it was it wasn't anything that was new to them because of that. I think um, pretty much all of the players were on a college roster during COVID and knew what it was like to play behind closed doors and having to generate that energy themselves was something that Courtney Weber talked about after the game. Um and something that they definitely put an effort into. They, you know, they were hyping each other up whenever they made shots or got a turnover force, you know, a mistake by ULM. Uh, it wasn't the highest quality opposition, but it, the team treated it like an occasion and they tried to play up to that. Going over to football, I mean, Alex, you mentioned, you know, getting to watch the Egg Bowl. As somebody who may not have grown up watching a lot of Egg Bowls or at least not, you know, being immersed in them like a Mississippian would be, what's your uh, what's your take on the rivalry game? What's it like? So I was told it would be chaotic and it was. And then some, I think that's the easiest way of putting it. Uh, this game was both beautiful and ugly at the exact same time. So almost simultaneously, it was just a bunch of chaos. Like that's, I mean, that's really the only way to describe it because, you know, in, in rivalry games and, and going to Maryland, they don't really have any rivalries anymore. Um, and, uh, you know, not being in the ACC. Uh, and I don't really think that even with football, they really had anything because basketball is, you know, uh, the big sport in the ACC. So that was always the more important thing. But you really don't compete for trophies in the same way that you do in football because, you know, it seems like they're all – you know, all of the big rivalry games in football compete for a trophy in some capacity. So, you know, it, it just, when I was watching this game, I could just tell that, you know, even though the football might've not been the greatest thing in the world by the, you know, by the games end, both teams really, really, really wanted to win this game. 
and you could just tell. And you know, even with that Mississippi State being being the underdog coming in, uh, I know that they've had struggles on the road against ranked teams. Uh, but in this game, that didn't really seem to be as big of an issue. They were able to control the run game, which had been Ole Miss's, you know, biggest asset and biggest X factor throughout this entire season. Quinshawn Judkins hadn't really, you know, didn't have the big game that we've seen him have throughout the season for Ole Miss. And, you know, because of that, I think that Mississippi State was able to control the game a lot more defensively, and then it worked into the offensive uh, game. And, uh, you know, I think Will Rogers had an okay game. I think, you know, it wasn't the greatest game ever. I think there were times that he made mistakes and there were times that he held onto the ball way too often, but there were also times where he made good plays and he was able to uh, get Mississippi state out of a, um, you know, a jam in a certain aspect and get first downs or whatever it might be. So, you know, I, I think, again, I think chaos is the best way to describe what I saw um, and Mississippi state ended with a win. So that was, Oh, and also, um, Terrible play calling from Lane Kiffin uh, at the end of the game because he burned two timeouts on that two-point conversion. And had they kept both timeouts uh, and stopped Mississippi State uh, three and out, then they would have had a chance to come back and win or, you know, in some capacity. So uh, that really wasn't that smart. Yeah, that was pretty bad. I mean, even if you spend one, you might have a shot at a field goal. If you don't take any, you have a pretty good chance, even if you don't get it. So uh, that was pretty bad clock management, just needing to take both to set up a play that ultimately did not work. Uh, of course, heck of a play by Randy Charlton swatting away that pass at the end. You really, I thought Mississippi State had it sealed. Of course, Will Rogers goes down and fumbles on that keeper, you know, down at the one yard line. And then Ole Miss goes 99 yards to almost tie it. Started, you know, getting a little chaotic as the egg bowl is tending, tends to do. But yeah, Mississippi State's ending up with the same record as Ole Miss. They are both eight and four after the season. And after losing the last two, I think Mike Leach needed a win in the egg bowl and Mississippi state got it. Yeah, this was, um, that, I mean, just another thing on that last drive by Ole Miss, it felt like uh, taking the two timeouts was weird to me because part of the reason Ole Miss was so successful on that drive and something that Ole Miss does really well is when they get into a tempo, they get into a rhythm on offense, they can catch an opposing defense off guard just by going quickly and, you know, making things happen. It's like all of a sudden you're backed up 50 yards in the span of, of you know, about a minute or so. Um, taking that timeout was a weird decision. But I overall, I thought this was a win that reflected Mississippi State's strengths and weaknesses pretty well. Um, some of their shortcomings on offense, but being picked up by an extraordinary performance by their defense, who let up basically nothing in the second half and forced turnovers until that last drive by Ole Miss. Yeah, good uh, timing on the Egg Bowl. Uh, we're joined by Michael Katz from the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal. Michael, it's been about six days. Are you recovered from your second Egg Bowl yet? Uh, I'm more recovered from the fact that I'm thank thank the Lord not doing a coaching search uh, this off season. That's uh, that's where I've been at the last few days. Um, basically, then the second the Egg Bowl ended, that is where everybody's head went uh, with the Auburn stuff uh, and and whatnot. But it's over for now. Uh, I always say for now because you just never know. You know, the NFL, uh, you know, I think this happened last year where he was uh, they brought up the Vikings and whatnot. And I don't think there was anything really there. Uh, but Lane Kiffin is staying in Oxford. He's just signed a new contract, which I'm sure it's going to make him plenty rich. Um, rich. He, he's going to have some money to play with in Oxford. But, um, you know, the Egg Bowl was um, I was on the field for the, the very end of it. Uh, when the drive 
that happened and uh it was of course going the other way because that's how it always happens um it was nice and rainy and all that stuff but uh you know it was it was a really weird game for Ole Miss uh they did not run the ball I think they had 70 something yards in that game which uh is insane um given that they were I think they're averaging 261 uh, on the season third most in the nation I think the highest of non uh, quote unquote triple option teams. Uh, they just were not able to do what they do. And and I, I came in at the right time here. Uh, the Mississippi state defense was awesome. Uh, there's no doubt about it. They, they shut down what Ole Miss wanted to do and kind of put the game in Jackson darts hands. And um, you know, he, he, he was able to lead that last drive and, and then there were the two timeouts before the two point conversion play. And there were a lot of weird things kind of happening there, but Ultimately, they, they it came up a little short. I think people were, uh, I know the team was was devastated, you know, by that loss, and people in Oxford were upset, and uh, just kind of leading into the coaching talk and whatnot. It was, it, it's, it's been a rough, it's been a very weird week uh, for Ole Miss and, and Ole Miss fans. Yeah, so you know they're ending up eight and four, same as State after the seven and start for Ole Miss. Where do you see them landing in a bowl game? Is it Nashville? Is it uh, Florida? What do you think? I've seen Nashville as one uh, in my perfect scheme. They end up in Las Vegas uh, because that is the early bowl. And that is uh, what everybody wants is, is to get it out of the way and then have a little bit of time uh, with family and friends, but we'll see. Uh, yeah. And, and the music city bowl has, has been coming up a lot. I believe one of the Florida bowls is, is still kind of in play. Uh, I've seen Liberty. I don't think Liberty is going to happen. Um, but yeah, I, I, it, it sounds like the, uh, the, the Nashville music bowl is, is one that is, is going to get a lot of consideration. And, uh, I mean, if you're thinking about logistically, it's close enough that people can go, which I think is really big. Yeah. I just made that drive on Friday after the egg bowl. It's like four hours to Nashville from Oxford music city bowl makes a lot of sense for them. Liberty you don't want, and it's obviously very close, but I think, you know, Ole Miss fans would probably rather travel a little bit more than just literally straight up 55 or something to them. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's a that's – a, 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 I don't think they want to take a day trip. I'll put it that way. I think they would rather be able to stay somewhere for a couple of days. And if there's casinos in Las Vegas involved, I guess it's not the worst thing in the world. No, yeah, no. Everyone hates Las Vegas. I, I am I, – I covered the Mountain West for several years, so I've been to Las Vegas more times than I would like for professional purposes. Um, I don't love it, but I'm not going to be mad if I end up there. Let's just say that. We'll check in with you next week and see if you do end up there. Michael, thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. Along those lines, I mean, Mississippi State also finds out its bowl destination on Sunday. The uh, prevailing opinion is the Gator Bowl in Jacksonville, which is December 30th. Also, I've heard the ReliaQuest Bowl on January 2nd in Tampa, what do you guys think about Mississippi State's bowl destination? Where do you think they might end up? And what do you think might be the best fit for them? I mean, they've got history in the Gator Bowl. Um, it was the site of one of their most, uh, I don't want to say extraordinary, because you know it, it seemed like maybe they were evenly matched teams. But certainly for me, one of my favorite Mississippi State victories that I've witnessed when they they beat uh, Michigan, something like 52 to 17, in the Gator Bowl in 2010, and it just ran all over them. It was Rich Rodriguez's final game at Michigan. So that shows you how long ago that was. I think it was Dan Mullen's second year. Uh, but also, uh, they went to the Gator Bowl 2013, I think, and they lost to Northwestern. So 
you know, a little bit of give and take with the history against the Big Ten there. Um, I, I think that that link there with, you know, they would probably play a Big Ten school if they got to the Gator Bowl makes it a little bit more of an exciting matchup. Um, Jacksonville is a decent place to go uh, get away. I, I'm, I think Florida is warmer this time of year, but I'm not totally sure. Um, yeah, I, I think people would prefer that probably than going back to Memphis. Yeah, Gator Bowl is actually ACC this year. So it's ACC oh, okay. or Notre Dame, which is the popular mm. matchup right now. A couple that would be fun. Notre Dame against Mississippi State. Recently saw someone change his pick to Pitt against Mississippi State. So Both of those sound fun to me. And the uh, ReliaQuest Bowl is formerly the Outback Bowl. That's the one in Tampa, home of the uh, ugly trop. Sorry, Alex. And uh, <laughs> it's not ugly and it's in St. Pete. Get your places right. You know, they actually played uh, one of the ugliest games I've ever seen Mississippi State play in the in the Travacana field or whatever it's called in St. Petersburg. Uh, Are you talking about the Gasparilla Bowl? Yeah, they played against Miami of Ohio and they barely won. It was like 17 to 16, something like that. That's at the time, because it's had like six different names. What was the name at the time? Because at one point it was sponsored by Bitcoin. I don't know. It's the bad boy mowers Gasparilla Bowl at one point. Yeah. Oh, that's the greatest name. That's the one of the greatest bowl game names ever. Was it called the Poinsettia Bowl at one point? That seems to I hear it. Let me go check. I thought that one was in San Diego, but maybe not. Oh, maybe. Are you talking about the San Diego County Credit Union um holiday bowl? Uh maybe. Yeah, I I, um as a joke, because some of the names of the bowl games are way too long, I like to state the entire name just to note how ridiculous it is. Okay, it was the 2016 Gasparilla Bowl. Um, the yeah, Mississippi State finished the season five and seven, but they got to a bowl game because they destroyed Ole Miss in the Egg Bowl. It was like 55 to 20 that year, and then they played out a really close game against the Miami Redhawks, which they had to come back and win. Uh, 17 to 16. 15K. That's about on par for the Rays. And it's kind of funny to see like an SEC team playing a MAC team in a bowl game. I feel like that yeah. doesn't really happen. <laughs> This game just like I, I can just tell by looking at it. This game just looks absolutely terrible. Probably yeah. was, and uh, it, it was not fun. <laughs> it doesn't. I wonder, you know, if it's uh, the ReliQuest Bowl, it would be a Big Ten team. I've seen Illinois. I know Alex would like Maryland personally. I bet. I, so mm. I will say this because I want to have my take on this. A don't know why Outback didn't renew the sponsorship for that bowl game because I hate calling it the ReliQuest Bowl. It should be called the Outback Bowl because it's just a much better name. Uh, and it's and it's easier to say. I want Maryland Mississippi State at the Music City Bowl. I know it's probably not going to happen because I think I was talking with Theo. Um, Theo, I think I was talking with you about it about how that bowl game is usually one that's a lot more higher attended. So they want two schools with really really good fan bases that show up to away games to go to that. And Maryland, um, if you guys haven't seen on social media, has had their fair share of attendance problems this year and and in recent years just because football isn't nearly as big of a thing um with maryland since you know basically like the early 2000s so i don't think that they'll play in that game like mississippi state would travel really really well for that game and that would be a no-brainer to have them in there it's just the other side of it i don't know if it would work i can see because of the history i can definitely see the gator bowl being one, I don't know if they're good. And I know that they're ranked right now. So that would help out with the New Year's games, because usually the New Year's bowl games are ones that have teams that are ranked in them. Um, so I could see the Rely Quest Bowl. I don't know for sure. I think the Gator Bowl just sounds like it would make a lot more sense. But also, like, 
you know, it has to do with matchups and things like that. So I'm sure that when whoever the bowl selection committee is figuring out what games to go to, they're going to make sure that the matchups of the games are going to fit the, um, you know, just the importance of the game, depending on what it is. So the Gator Bowl and the Rely Quest Bowl are games that are, um, or bowl games that are a lot more higher stakes and have a lot more money going to the winner, whomever it might be. So, uh, and also better goodie bags for the players. Yes. And for the media, apparently. Oh. Oh. <laughs> got some sweet liberty last year. The Liberty Bowl. Does, does Sony still sponsor any bowls? You can get a PS5. I don't know. I mean, they used to sponsor the Fiesta Bowl. I don't know if they still do. They might still sponsor the Fiesta Bowl. They used uh, the to be PlayStation Tostitos. Fiesta Bowl. Yeah. No, Tost- yeah, they used to play for all the Tostitos, as Brent Musburger would say. All the Tostitos. Uh, yeah, uh, so I, I mean, offhand... It sounds like, uh, I mean, how many places have said Gator Bowl compared to other places? Three of them had said Gator Bowl, two ReliaQuest, one Texas Bowl, one Liberty Bowl, which, come on, they're not going to that twice in a row, and one Las Vegas Bowl. But I think they've kind of jumped Las Vegas at this point. I think Gator is likely, I've heard, you know, South Carolina fans might be kind of tired of going to Tampa, so they might swap and get the Gator Bowl instead, which would be probably fine for Mississippi State because the Tampa Bowl has a bigger payout and you know it's not jacksonville again so i would probably prefer that personally but we'll see what south carolina prefers and what mississippi state is able to choose yeah i mean i will say if they do get the gator bowl it's going to be played at tiaa bank field which is the home of the jaguars and if you get notre dame as one of those teams in there talk about you know teams with fans that travel notre dame fans travel about as well as any college uh, you know football team in the country so if they play notre dame you should get at least 50% Notre Dame fans there and state fans from what i understand Colin is it it would you say that state fans travel pretty well they will travel for a bowl game that's for okay. sure um i don't know if there's going to be as many as there are Notre Dame fans if that's the case but uh they traveled well for the Gator Bowl and they played Michigan and Michigan had a lot of fans there yeah yeah so i think with that in mind i i think that either of those are good because you're talking two NFL stadiums that are going to hold 65 to 70,000 seat capacities so you know, you're going to want two teams that can fill up at, you know, that can get 30,000 fans plus on their side um, or somewhere around that. Yeah, I think those are the two best ones. I mean, Texas is in Houston at another NFL stadium, but I just don't know if, you know, Notre Dame fans or North Carolina, or actually it would be a big 12 team. I guess Oklahoma State, maybe that was the projected matchup for that one. The Liberty Bowl had them matching up with Kansas, but I don't know if that would happen. Kansas six. So I don't know if that's a really accurate matchup. Yeah, whoever it'll be, I mean, I think Mississippi State should be able to travel fairly well, unless it's something in like Las Vegas, where it's, you know, pretty far across the country playing a Pac-12 team. But I don't really see that happening. We'll find out in a few days. Where state? It's going to be a good time. Yeah, I think it'll be fun uh, going out to Florida around the holidays. So either before New Year's on the 30th with the Gator Bowl or a couple days after on the 2nd with the ReliQuest believe that does it for this week's bully banter we'll be back next week once mississippi state has found its bull destination break it down for you until then for alex and colin i'm theo derosa signing off